inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy. And teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he. You are you. And the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. Living life like it matters. Appreciate you spending an hour a day. I love being on the radio. I love my audience in Minneapolis. But the great thing about our radio show is it's heard all over the world. Yeah. People don't know this, but not just the blessed people who live in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul can hear me. You can just go to your little phone or go to your little pooter. We call it a pooter. And you can type in www, put a dot there, and then put freedom1570, put another dot there, com. Freedom1570.com. And no matter where you are in the world, I know Nivaldo listens, he and his family in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. I've uh, talked to people in China. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting. We've got listeners all over the world. And you know, the cool thing is if you missed the radio show, let's say you weren't smart enough to turn your radio dial to AM 1570 and live in the Twin Cities, then when the show's over, uh, Josh and or John, whichever John you want, pick one. There's, uh, there's a few of them. <laughs> They'll have it put up on our website within 30 minutes, usually an hour, maybe 30 minutes. And you just go to likeitmattersradio.com. However, I want you to know I do have a separate podcast, and where you listen to your podcast, just search for Live in Life Like It Matters. And please, like us, share us, follow us. Uh, you know, we don't do social media. You know, it's me. My wife helps me when she is not mad at me. Outside of that, it's me. So, uh, uh, you know, I need your help. Uh, a, a team of one isn't much of a team at all. So spread us, share us. Uh, man, it's, uh, it's a crazy world out there. All you got to do is look at the election. Oh, my gosh. Now, please hear this. I am on a conservative talk radio show uh, here in Minneapolis. But that is not what we do on this radio show. This radio show is about inspiration. It's about education. It's about application. And really, your opinions and feelings, like I tell people looking in the Bible for them, uh, there are 66 books in the Bible. I think it was written by 40 different authors. Uh, and of the 66 books in the Bible, uh, not a single one is labeled opinion or feelings. Nope, ain't going to do it. Wouldn't it be prudent? It's not there. And so I want you to know, really, I'm not Sean Hannity. Uh, man, I wish I had his money. I wish I had his fame. I wish I had as many people helping me as we're helping him, but don't have that. Like him. I'm not shot on in Mark Levin, and Mark Levin brings a lot more of the intellectual with it. Uh, but I am teaching an objective show, not a subjective show. Once you get the difference. And part of what I do on this radio show is I like to pull back the curtain because there's a lot of things going on that most people don't know is going on. Uh, it's, you know, I love a good analogy. Remember, if I was a superhero, you know what superhero I'd be? You guys should know this if you've been listening. I'd be Metaphor Man, right? Metaphor Man. It's kind of like mini, uh, what is it? Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse. Remember Mighty Mouse? That was my time frame, 57. The double M's. And Mighty Mouse had a cape, and I believe too, Metaphor Man sure would as well. And so remember the Wizard of Oz? Remember when Dorothy and her friends were having this uh, subjective experience, right? And then they wound up in the Emerald City because they all needed some help. 
And so in the movie, The Wizard of Oz, God was Oz. And so they're going to God's kingdom to talk to God because God can solve all their problems if they can just get a, 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 a chance to talk to God. And so there they are in front of the God of Oz, right? The Wizard of Oz. And the fire's brewing and the, the bells are going off and the fear and the sh- thing is trembling, right? And then they're shaking their boots and all of a sudden you hear a barking, a little dog barking. Oh, Toto. Oh, Toto, where are you, Toto? And remember what the voice said at that moment? Pay well, no attention to that man behind the curtain. That's what they said. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Why? Because that man behind the curtain was pulling bells and whistles and levers. See, it was a subjective experience they were having. See, they were just believing certain things that weren't true. And I seem to be that we seem to be living in the Wizard of Oz. Because there's a lot of things people believe in things that just aren't true. But I learned a long time ago studying transactional analysis that nobody responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality. See, Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Lion... You know, they weren't responding to the little man, the munchkin, behind the curtain. They were responding to their perception of Oz, of the Wizard of Oz, of God. Right? Remember yesterday I got a little flack for it. I said it was A.W. Tozer's classic book, The Knowledge of the Holy, that opens with a famous quote, What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Tozer posits that our view of God, what we believe God is like in the deep recesses of our being, shapes the whole course of our lives. Our lives can be defined in regards to a single concept. Who is God to you? Or even, what kind of God do you serve? And then I went on to say, talking about the Fetterman situation, they already want to make this guy a God, now they're saying she's running for president. But I said, Opal Winfrey, the reason why she abandoned her friend, Dr. Oz, and jumped in with a guy who just his only thing is let criminals free and you can get your abortions when, women wherever you want them. That's good enough to be president of the United States today. And remember I said, why did she do that? Because of her God, that she followed the same God as John Fetterman. And some of you are offended by that. And please hear that this is not subjective. This is objective. And I'm going to prove my point. This is not an opinion show. I use science. Transactional analysis, neuro linguistic programming, multiple intelligences, logotherapy, constant never ending improvement, emotional intelligence, truth therapy, and a little theology wrapped up in the Word of God as well. And so today we want to talk about man because I'm going to pull back the curtain. I want to pull back the curtain so you can see what's really going on. Because no one responds to reality, what we respond to is our map of reality. And you got to know there's a huge difference. The map is not the territory. And today I want you to understand the bevy of information available to every leader. Every leader. See, people are not living an objective life, but we are all living a subjective life. Remember, I'm a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And NLP, that's what neuro-linguistic programming is, is the study of subjective experience. And today I'm going to pull back the curtain. I'm going to share with you some objective revelation. 
And today we're going to talk about subjective experience. Why? Because man is a three-part being. We're threefold. I am a spirit. I live in a body. I possess a consciousness. The real me is spirit. The body is my medium, which my spirit expresses itself, and I possess a consciousness. I mean, think about this. Plant life. Plant life exists on a physical plane. Now you take animal life. Animal life also exists on a physical plane, but they also occupy another plane called the conscious plane or a social plane, whichever word you want to use. Now, man, human life, exists as well on the physical plane, exists as well on the conscious or social plane, and we possess a spirit. In the same degree by which the plant life is separated from the animal life by the inclusion of the consciousness, so man is separated from animal life by the inclusion of the spirit aspect of our nature. And as a human being, I have certain physical needs, body drives, biological, physical needs. I also have certain sociological needs, psychological needs, things such as love, security, belongings, the need to be needed. Because I'm spirit, though, I have deep spiritual needs. I have a need for a meaningful relationship with God. No man is complete without this relationship or woman. Man slash woman, human, is made with a subject unto emptiness without this connection. And when God created man, he built in us a need for him. In our spirit, there's a thirsting after a meaningful relationship with God. And so a lot of people are looking to fill that void. But there's only one problem. It's in a certain shape. And if you've ever done a puzzle before, you know you have 2,000 pieces, but there's only one puzzle piece for that piece you're working on right now. So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're going to talk about subjective experience. I'm Black. We'll be right back. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black. I am still living in my post-election trauma. So uh, came the realization that, uh, you know what, um, America is just what America is. It's just the reality of uh, it doesn't matter the candidates, it matters the people. And I'm going to talk about that today because you're going to learn about the logical level. See, remember, this is all about science today. Science, science, science. And that's what I do. So please, if you want to learn more about yourself in 48 hours than you could learn about yourself in this world, go to likeitmatters.net. Two and a half days, uh, I'll change your world. I guarantee you, I've been doing it for 30 years. And likeitmatters.net, you can read about Kraft Foods, Coca-Cola, Nabisco, the Army, the Military, American Express, Singular, AT&T. Some of my big clients over the, my 30 years, I've done privately for, for churches, for communities, for government entities. And uh, it's two and a half days transformational, and you learn about yourself. See, I show you how you work. 
and, and really, in my background is neuro-linguistic programming, and it's a science, and I'm going to explain that to you. Now, before the break, I had one of my listeners text me, because I could re-explain what I said. I open up with a logical statement, with a, uh, how do you want, objective statement. And here it is. Man is a threefold being. We are spirit, we are body or flesh, and we are mind or consciousness. The real me is the spirit. The body is nothing more than a carbon-based life form that's got about a 120-year lifespan that will be worm food someday. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. you got to know about carbon-based life forms. It always goes back to carbon. So my body is the medium. It's my tabernacle. It's my tent. That's what the Word of God says. It's my temporary dwelling place while I'm on this sojourn. And I possess a consciousness. You got to get this. The real me is the spirit. And because I'm spirit, I have deep spiritual needs. I'm a spiritual being, have a fleshly experience. I am carnate on this planet, but I am spirit. I have a need for a meaningful relationship with God because I am a child of his. No human child of God is complete without this relationship. Human is made with a subject unto emptiness without this connection. We are meaning-based creatures. We have a purpose. I get paid a lot of money to help people figure out the purpose. I tell them it's easy. Your purpose is to glorify God. Now to figure out how, using your gifts, your talents, your trauma, your drama, your uh, family of origin, all that, the good, the bad, the ugly. That's what Romans 8.28 means. For God causes all things to work for the good for those who love him are called according to his purpose. In my spirit, I hunger, I thirst. There's a thirsting after a meaningful relationship with God. That's what God wants is to hunger, to thirst, to crave, to lust. Kind of man, like when you met that woman and you wanted her so bad you couldn't think about anything else. Yeah, that's what God wants. And for this reason, I believe man cannot have a full, complete life. I don't care what you accomplish. I don't care how much money you have. Why do you think so many wealthy people take their life? Why do you think so many pastors, or should I say, worship leaders, take their lives? Because many will say, Lord, Lord, and say, I never knew you. See, until I've come into this relationship with God, and so this is why we're always searching for that God piece. Matter of fact, in psychology, there's a term for it. This is not opinion. This is fact. Psychologists call it frustration. It is a basic element that creates the problems within us. And by the way, pain is a great motivator. Because most people that have pain, they move away from it. Confusion should be a great state of learning, if you use it properly. Because a lot of us intelligent people, self-actualized people, when we're confused, we seek answers. And that's the process of learning. See, this underlying sense that something is missing, it's, it's called a creative discontent. It stirs us up. That life must be more than what I'm experiencing. That we reach out for that thing that was satisfied, fulfilled, that which is not always easily definable. As we talk about logotherapy, Dr. Viktor Frankl, logotherapy, it's a science. And all therapies have assumptions, they have presuppositions, they have prejudices. All psychotherapies make philosophical assumptions about the human persons that cannot be proved with certainty. So the assumptions of logotherapy, let me just give you the first one. The human, the human being is an entity consisting of body, mind, and spirit. This is what 
Dr. Frankel wrote as he occupied Auschwitz and the Nazis were killing his wife and his mom and dad in the gas chambers. The first presupposition is the human being is an entity consisting of body, mind, and spirit. The first assumption, in other words, is that the human being is an entity that has three parts. Body, soma. Mind, psyche. Spirit, noose. According to Frankel, by the way, the body and the mind are what we have. And the spirit is what we are. See, in psychology, frustration is a common emotional response to opposition related to anger, annoyance, disappointment. Frustration arises from the perceived resistance to the fulfillment of an individual's will or goal. And whatever you desire most in life is your God. Whatever you think about, fear of, of, crave for the most is your God. Remember, my background's in neuro-linguistic programming. It's a science. This is not an opinion show. This is not a feeling show, though we talk about feelings because they're an important part of the human experience. They're subjective, though. See, NLP is the science of how the brain codes learning and experience. This coding affects all communication and behavior. It affects how you learn and how you experience the world around you. That's subjective. It is a key to reaching and achieving excellence. In its simplest, self-defined manner, break down the, uh, those three words, neuro, neurology, right? How we think, how we feel, right? Emotional intelligence. Don't you get it? Taking the cognitive thinking process and merging it with a great data called emotion. It's how we think and feel. Linguistics, right? Words. It's the language part. It's what we say. It's how we say it. It's why we say it. And how we are influenced by what we hear. Did you hear that? Because that's what's going on. I get, showed you 87% of all news articles about Republicans is negative. 16% about Biden's negative. Why does that matter? Because we have 30,000, 60,000 thoughts per day. And everything you listen to over and over, you believe. I mean, look at it. There's things out there called the CIA has done this for years. MK Ultra, look it up. MK-Ultra, Google it. Mind control experiments. Look up Project Artichoke. Look up uh, R-H-I-C-E-D-O-M, R-H-I-C-E-D-O-M. Or how about this? Look up radiohypnotic intracerebral electronic dissolution of memory. And the former, by the way, is first applied in the Bay of Pigs. So Charles Manson did some of this. This is not Joseph Goebbels. You got to get what's going on here. That's the P, the programming. It's how we are manipulated, whether by someone else or ourselves, to achieve the results we get. So NLP is the study structure of subjective experience. That's why we're calling about it. It is a study of structure of su subjective experience. It's knowing how we organize things. It's the ability to understand human patterns and to adjust th to those patterns so that we can be as resourceful as we want to be. It's about goals and choices. It's a process to reduce everything to, to how do you know? It's the owner's manual to the human experience. See, I was on Quora uh, looking for some information, and I found out this thing, how can we define a happy person? And this is somebody in Brit, uh, Britain, said across, I put it down as across the pond happy. So here's the word, question, how can we define a happy person? And here's what I think this is a Brit said. Said this, my neighbor lives in a 3B-HK, I don't know what that is, flat, worth R's one crore. So I assume that's like a million dollars to us. 
has a personal servant at her disposal, eats out once a week, drives some SUV car, and almost never repeats clothes, yet she complains about trivial stuff, she gets jealous of our other neighbors, she blames her relatives and friends for her problems, she remains dissatisfied from her child's performance in school, she contacts people only when she's in need, and she always looks angry, put off, or wanting to be somewhere else. Now, the guy person goes on to say, however, my maid, my maid lives in a child type area. I don't know what that means. Undoubtedly low income has four children to feed, wears what her employer donates her and washes our dishes. Yet she beams with pride whenever her son gets good marks. She sings while cleaning my home. She understands that life is an undulating line, has highs and lows, peaks and valleys. She appreciates for whatever she gets and doesn't crib for what she doesn't have or wants. And she's always smiling. And this person said, my maid is a happy person. See, subjective experience. Subjective experience refers to the emotional and cognitive impact of a human experience, as opposed to an objective experience, which are the actual events of the experience. While something objective is tangible and can be experienced by others, subjective experiences are produced by the individual mind. See, objective is not characterized by any previous experience of the speaker, whereas subjective is certainly characterized by the previous experience. In other words, the experiential aquarium is affecting them because nobody responds to reality. We respond to our map of reality. See, objective is verifiable with the assistance of mathematical calculations, whereas subjective is not subjected to verification. In most cases, it comes down to whether something is based on personal experience or on verifiable facts, but it can get confusing. An opinion or viewpoint can be said to be objective or subjective, depending on how it was formed. We're here to clear all that up. So you got to know the difference. And what I'm sharing with you is not subjective. Subjective most commonly means based on the personal perspective or preference of a person, the subject who's observing something. In contrast, objective most commonly means not influenced or based on a personal viewpoint, based on the analysis of an object of observation only. That's what we're going to talk about. And today I'm going to talk about two building blocks. One of them's called the logical levels, and the other one's called word patterns after the break we'll dig in we'll be right back we are all in the construction business constructing memories relationships new ideas and a legacy that will outlive us life is best imagined as a construction project hey can we get that backhoe over here at like it matters we craft tools and teach you how to use them mr black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. And don't forget the radio show, Like It Matters. Nice job, that's it for today, wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net, building a better you today, likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's Mr. Dot Black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black. 
Well, I'm also back, right? <laughs> I'm both. Isn't that nice? I'm a poet, and I know it. And see, ladies and gentlemen, that's the key. Words. Words are programming. I, I found this article. Uh, it was Johnson. This guy's a conspiracy theorist. But, uh, you know, a lot of good conspiracy theorists, they have some basis of truth for where they go called Mass Conditioning, Electronic Dissolution of Memory 101. It goes on to start with Adolf Hitler summarized a key secret behind his control of the masses when he said, the bigger the lie, the easier it is to swallow. What did he mean by that? He meant that the more a big lie is repeated, the easier it will be for the masses to believe it. And this is not opinion. This is fact. I mean, Google, Joseph Goebbels. Google what happens when someone's kidnapped and spends a lot of time with their captors and then can be manipulated to actually feel sympathy and empathy. Look at John Fetterman. A pity party for America got this guy elected and now all of a sudden he's going to be president of the United States. A guy who was a, a pathetic before he ever had a stroke, who's never had a job, lived off mom and dad. But they needed this vote so they could have abortion on demand and stack the Supreme Court and all that. So now he became the best guy who's ever run for office at all. It was a bunch of, it was a big pity party. And so the media got people to feel sorry. Oh, they're picking on me. They're ableist. They're picking on him. No, the guy was a joke before the stroke. I feel bad he had a stroke. But he caused it. He doesn't take care of himself. He has AFib. He has all kinds of stuff. He doesn't take care of himself. Lives off mom and dad. Never had a job. Believes all criminals should be let go. Believes that women should be able to get an abortion up, uh, up till the time they spit out that baby. Right? It's, it's his God. They didn't like the guy. They all follow the same God. And this is not subjective. This is subjective. Remember, journalists are trained to be as objective as possible when reporting. At least they used to be trained that way. They were trained to leave their opinions out of it. To just pr record and present the facts. It's, this is called objectivity. And there's a difference between objectivity and subjectivity. In a scientific experiment, your hypothesis might be based, at least in part, on your subjective opinion about what the results will be. However, science is about being completely objective by gathering data and making conclusions based on that data, no matter what you feel about it. In everyday life, your objective opinion is the one that sets aside your subjective preferences or feelings about something and instead assesses it based on facts and reality. My wife's always wanting to tell me how she feels about something. She feels this and feels that and feels that. But I'm dealing with uh, something objectivity. That if we don't pay the house payment, the bank takes away the house. I don't care what you feel. That if you have the Democrats in charge and you're a conservative, you're in big trouble, mister. It's not subjective. It's objective. It's not opinion. It's fact. And we've come to a time where I'll decide what my truth is and you decide what yours is. Now, let me tell you right now why this matters. Is because in order for you to make the best choices possible, then you need to have as much actionable data as possible. And I want you to understand that there's a lot of information readily available to everybody that most people are, aren't seeing, aren't hearing, aren't feeling. So I tell people most people are deaf, dumb, and blind. They're looking, but they're not really seeing. They're too busy, you know, judging everybody. Uh, they're, they're hearing, but they're not listening. 
Otherwise, we wouldn't have the terrible election we just had. It would have been a it would have been a red wave if people were actually listening. But no, they were hearing the chatter. And right now, a lot of people are touching something: your chin, your radio dial, steering wheel. Hopefully, that's all. <laughs> but a lot of people stop feeling anything but bitterness and anger, and resentment. And so I'm going to bring you two things that you need to know that really show up everywhere if you just know what you're looking at. And the first one are what we call speech patterns. See, remember, neuro-linguistic programming is a science of how the brain codes learning experience affects all communication behavior. And remember, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, the linguistics is the language part. What we say, how we say it, why? Because no one can read anybody else's mind. A lot of people think I can read minds. I don't. Just so you know, I don't. But what I do is I pick up a lot of data that most people miss. It's right in front of you. I actually listen to what people are saying. Not just their words, but their intent. So I listen. I watch. Because when people talk, their unconscious mind expresses themselves in things that you can see. And then I also turn on my spidey senses. And I get a feeling. I have a pretty good gut. Remember, it was Albert Morabian, a researcher of body language, who first broke down the components of a face-to-face conversation. I believe it's deeper than this. A lot of people want to argue with this. I've, there are more arguments against this and for it. But again, I'm based on my objective experience and subjective experience based on dealing with people. And I believe that of communication, 55% is nonverbal. 38% is vocal, and only 7% are words, but those words are important. See, no one can read anybody else's mind, but it's called our map of reality, our internal map of reality. But let me tell you what you can do. See, your internal map of reality expresses itself externally with things that people can see, hear, and feel. And here's why it matters. That external data tells an intelligent person, someone who knows the objective data about what's going on in their internal experience. And so in language patterns in neuro-linguistic program, we have two, two language patterns. One's called the Milton model and one's called the Meta model. And they're important based on what you want. And a lot of them consider them opposites. You know, and I got this from an NLP source that says, in some ways, the Milton model of hypnosis language is a reversal of the meta model. The meta model seeks to bring clarity and precision into communication. However, the Milton model deliberately tries to be vague and unclear in order to awaken associations. See, it all depends. If I want to put a group in a, in a, in a mass hypnosis, and again, I'm not like waving a little chain back and forth and, and count of three, you're going to bark like a dog or you're going to be a chicken. I'm not talking about that. We put ourselves in hypnotic states all the time. Have you ever been with someone and you call their name a couple times and it's like, hello, Bob, you there? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I was daydreaming. Trance. Have you ever driven home before without realizing how you drove home? But your body stopped at all stops, put the blinker, turned, did all the things, and there you are sitting in front of your house. But you don't even remember driving home. Now, I'm not talking about drug or alcohol induced, right? Right? Don't be stupid. Right? No party fouls. See, you were in a self-induced trance. Remember, there are four levels of learning. There's unconscious incompetence where you don't know what you don't know. That's, by the way, the beginning of learning when you come to that realization that you don't know. And then you become aware 
It's the next level of learning. You become consciously incompetent. Now you're aware of what you don't know, but now you want to know. So you use that internet for something besides searching for porn, and you learn. And that gets, takes us to the third level, which is conscious competence, where you know what you know. But when you get really good at something, you then take it to the fourth level, which is mastery, which is called unconscious competence, where you don't know what you know. And if you don't need to know what you know, then you can do it at the unconscious level. You can do it on autopilot. Remember, we only use three to 5% of our brain consciously. The rest of it's unconscious. So if you're gonna make any lasting change, you must follow the rules of the unconscious brain because it is the programming center. And so the Milton model, like if I'm taking people and I wanna get a group of people to establish rapport with all these different people, I'm gonna use Milton model language. It's linguistically the exact reversal of the meta model. And I'm a meta monster. When I'm doing counseling and therapy, I will meta. I will fill in the gaps because we all delete, we distort, we generalize. And the meta model allows us to get specific data. So we also can do some true therapy, some, some identify the lies and replace with the truth. So the Milton model provides guidance on non-specific language use, the, in, the indefinite forms of expression we question with the help of the meta model deletions, generalizations, distortions. The goal of using the meta model, as I said, is to go, is to gather precise and specific information. That's why, because we lose information. Uh, we, we generalize. Remember, there's so much 34 gigabytes of information coming out of us, so we have to, we have to filter. Autism is when all the filters are turned off. We delete, we distort, we generalize. Otherwise, we'd be overwhelmed. We'd become autistic because it's information overload. 34 gigabytes of information. 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Squirrel, shiny object. What, what, what? See, now the Milton model provides with a, vi um, a variety of possibilities for forming sentences. See, we leave it vague so people can fill in their own blanks. The use of unspecific language forms aims to induce and sustain a trance. Yep, a good speaker will get people in trance. I'm telling you right now, I was with Iron Mechanical in Sacramento a couple weeks ago. They send all their people to our leadership training. If you need building in Sacramento, reach out to Iron Mechanical. Great company. Uh, and um, I had to do this big presentation. They brought all their people in, probably about 60, 70 people. And we're in. We got cubicles all around. It's a terrible place to do a presentation. And about three times as I'm delivering this two-hour presentation, I lock in, I look at everybody. I have every single eye, all 70 of them on me. No one's on the phone. No one's doing anything. And afterwards, Terry Rissey, the founder and CEO, uh, now Jed's actually CEO, said to me, you know, I've talked in front of this group of people for 12 years. And there's always people when I'm talking on this phone, on that pad, doing this, doing that. And he said, uh, Terry said to me, Black, I looked around the room and you had every single eye on you. You had every single person paying attention. No one's on their phone. No one's doing anything. They were locked in. He was, he was absolutely correct. Why? Because I know how to use words. And the right word at the right time will change someone's life. And the wrong word at the wrong right time, if someone allows it, will destroy them. So today, we're talking about data that's readily available to every leader out there. If you just have eyes to see and ears to hear. I'm Black. We'll be right back. Here's a real student testimonial from Like It Matters Leadership Awakening Training. The way we met Scott was through an answered prayer. We had a, uh, a business associate who recommended a leadership training process 
initially, you know, I had been through uh, just a series of all kinds of leadership training and felt like I had been trained as much as I possibly could. You know, we went and went hesitantly. But the one thing, it would have to be consistent with my faith. And uh, it was your awakening class. And uh, that class was absolutely not only uh, the, the answer to prayers, uh, business, but personally. It gave us the tools and it gave us the foundation to be able to really formalize and verbalize our values. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, application. I'm black. And hey, we have one more chance for you to change your life in 2022. December 8th through 10th will be our final class of the year, Leadership Awakening in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Got a great group of people flying in from all over the country. Uh, man, if you want to have the best holiday season ever, go to likeitmatters.net. I think I have four or five seats left. We keep them small, a maximum class size 16. Our target class size is 12. So uh, uh, go to likeitmatters.net. I guarantee you the best holiday season, no matter who is in the White House. Today we're talking about data that's readily available. Uh, I was earlier talking about the language patterns in neurolinguistic programming. They're called the Milton and the Meta models. They are two um, communication models that could be considered opposites, if you will. And listen carefully. Knowing how to utilize these language patterns can make all the difference when you want to motivate, persuade, and influence. Remember, we're all salespeople. Selling is nothing more than gaining agreement from someone to buy your product, your service, your hand in marriage, your belief in God, uh, your vote. That's all it is. And so you've got to know how to get what you want. That's part of a leader. Where am I now? Where am I going? What will it take to get there and how long? And so these language patterns can, can help you evaluate the things you say to yourself and cut through the BS. And by BS, I mean belief system. So that you can realize that words really do have power and you can sometimes create a prison of your own making when you use them incorrectly. So we have the meta model. Uh, meta model language in NLP is basically just giving very, very specific details. So there's very little the listener has to work out for themselves. You make it easy for them to change. You ask the right questions. So I got a great example here from uh, Lance uh, uh, Lance and here's what a good example is. A young student has an upcoming exam, and the teacher is informing her using super detailed meta model NLP language. So, teacher, if you study for four hours every day, memorize chapters three to chapter six of the textbook you're holding, and if during the exam you are capable of recalling the information and writing down the answers with the same words used in the book from those chapters, then you'll receive a mark over 60%, which will result in your passing the exam. So as you can see, these kind of directions using meta model patterns don't have much room for doubt. See, it's all the details are filled in. Very, very important. Because asking the right questions will give you the right answers. Leaders, you got to learn this. Leaders learn how to ask the right questions. You know, Dr. Edwards Deming, the father of constant, never-ending improvement, he said, if you do not know how to ask the right questions, you will discover nothing. I learned a long time ago, a good leader learns how to ask the right questions because the right questions will get you the right answers. 
And even Tony Robbins, not a big fan of that big old dude. But he said, where focus goes, the energy flows, right? It's a good point, whether you like the guy or not. The truth is the truth, no matter where it comes from. Now, the Milton model. The Milton model is the opposite. The Milton model process could be considered the art of being vague. It's basically just using words that are purposely vague, which means a lot of the specifics have to be filled in by the person who's listening. This is how you get a group of people in hypnotic trance, in a where you get them locked in, where you connect with them at the unconscious level, when you establish a level of rapport at the unconscious level. It's all manipulation. All sales is manipulation. All uh, the advertisements manipulation. The political process of pure manipulation. You were told to fear Republicans, fear. You were told that there's a threat to democracy. You were told that you got to get your abortions, lady. You got to make sure that the number one issue to everybody is that you can kill that child whenever you want. So your program say, okay, I'm going to vote for the guy who's never had a job, who knows nothing and can't even form two sentences. But, hey, I'm going to feel sorry for him. So we're going to vote for him to represent us. Yeah, well, you guys won. Good for you. Good for you. It's using words that allow people to fill in the blanks. Why? Because that's how you connect. That's how you establish rapport with someone. You meet them in their map of reality, and then you can lead them wherever you want to go. So let me give you an example of uh, the Milton model in life using a different language pattern. So a young student has an upcoming exam. And the teacher's informing her how she can pass. Remember the, exa- the, the example I gave you earlier about the meta model, all the details? Now check this one out. Teacher, if you study hard, you will pass the exam. Okay, I will. Thinking to themselves. Yeah, I know what the teacher says is true. Everyone always says that if you work hard enough, you can achieve things. Working hard in this case means studying for at least two hours a day, I reckon. Studying means reading from my textbook researching on the internet and going over my old notes from class and hard means no distractions just fully focused on doing these things see there's a lot of vagueness hard study achieve right those are words that are 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 generic it's just like success see these words are called normalizations and, and they're under the category of generalizations and success is a normalization See, if I say to a group of people I'm leading, if you'll do this, you'll be successful. See, I can connect with a hundred different people because a hundred different people, in my experience, have a hundred different definitions of success. So if I say, if you follow my example, you will make $125,000 a year. You will have the perfect uh, spouse. Uh, you will have 2.5 kids. You will have, do you see how hard it's going to be to connect with anybody? But if I say, if you'll just do this, you'll be successful. You'll be able to live your dreams. You'll be living a life that other people want. See, those are so vague that you can fill in whatever meaning you want. And that's how you connect with a whole bunch of different people at the same time. Let me go to a book, uh, Good News for the Lover. It's from a book by John Piper, one of my favorite books, What Jesus Demands of the World. It's uh, Demand 28, Love Your Enemies. Quote, we live in a time when emotional offense or woundedness often becomes a criterion for deciding if love has been shown. See, love is a normalization. It's defined differently. Some people need to see things to, to, to see themselves loved. Some people need to hear things to experience love. Some people need to feel things to experience love. And for some people, love is sex. Let's be honest. I fell in love. No, you fell in lust. 
Love is a verb. For God so loved the world, he did something about it. For you so love your spouse, you do something about it. For you so love your children, you do something about it. For you so love your country, you do something about it. See, love takes on a different meaning depending on the user. It's subjective. Don't you get it? If you love me, you do this. Well, the other spouse goes, well, yeah. Well, if you love me, you do this. Oh, yeah. The other spouse goes, well, if you love me, you do this. Anybody get it yet? They haven't properly defined the word love. So if a person could claim to have been hurt by you, this is where we're at now in America. If a person can claim victim status and they can say that you offended them. Remember these things called dog whistles. Remember, everything's a whistle. You can't say thug, you can't say smart, you can't say hardworking, because the BLM folks, the CRT folks, that's racist. That's a white privilege word. See, if a person claimed to have been hurt by what you said, it's assumed by many that you did not act in love. See how they took your dictionary again? Get your dictionary back, people. Quit letting people define your words and make up false meanings. In other words, love is not defined by the quality of the act and its motives, but by the subjective response of others. That's what the today's rule is. In this way of relating, the wounded one has absolute authority. That's why we're in the mess we're in. It's not true at all. If this person says that you hurt them, then you cannot have acted lovingly. That's where we're at. That's, so, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true at all. But in today's America, in today's progressive woke world, you are guilty. And by the way, just to let you know, if you read that Bible, Jesus will not allow this waiver lane to go unchallenged. Nope, you can't read that Bible and keep that lie. Love is not defined by the response of the loved. A person can be genuinely loved and feel hurt or offended or angered or retaliatory or numb without diminishing the beauty and value of the act of love that hurt them. We know this clearly from the death of Jesus. Let's be honest. The Bible says the greatest act of love ever performed, Right? Think about that. But yet, what was the response? From affection to anger. People were broken, wounded, angered, enraged, cynical in response to Jesus' death. But it did not alter the fact that there is no greater love than a man should lay down his life for his brother. This truth is shown by the way he lived his life. He loved in a way that was often not felt as loved. No one I have ever known in person or in history was as blunt as Jesus in the way he dealt with people. Evidently, his love was so authentic, it needed few cushions. It's owning to my life with Jesus. I mean, I'm 57 years old. That makes me so aware of how emotionally fragile and brittle we are today. Let's be honest. If Jesus were to walk this planet today and were to speak to us the way he spoke in the Bible in his own day, we would be continually offended and hurt. This is true of the way he spoke to his disciples, the way he spoke to his adversaries. People were offended in his day. Do you know his disciples said that the Pharisees were offended by what you said? Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know how you work. You need to own what you can own. That's what this radio show is. I teach you how to work. I pull back the curtain. This is not opinion. It's not feeling. This is objective fact. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, master trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. 
And for more information on, on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.